Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, and welcome to the Audible extension for the second Stellaris re-examination. I'm your host, Nate, and I'm joined by my co-host, Troy. Hey. And our guest today is Joshua. Hello, everybody. Okay, so um, this was a contentious one. Yeah, it really was. So I think we're going to have to address a whole bunch of things on this Audible extension. And by we, I mean you, <laughs> Joshua. <laughs> and Troy and I will, will act as um, proxies for the community. So I definitely know some of the questions they have. And I think one of the first things we're going to actually ask is going to be a direct lead into that. But before we start that, why don't you tell us a little bit about the re-examination itself? Like, what did it end up covering? So basically, um, I think, and this happened sort of by accident, there was a bunch of um, things that sort of happened on the Explorminate side and things that happened on the life side. And so we went almost a year without writing about Stellaris. We wrote um, a review of Utopia, which... I don't even remember what, what number that was, but it was before a lot of the big changes. And so uh, two, I mean, certainly the, the big, two big expansions, two big DLCs, uh, 2.0, which was Apocalypse, uh, 2.2, which is Megacorps, um, plus the usual smaller iterative changes. Um, that Just the get stars. Them, yeah, um, that get added to Stellaris all the time. Uh, the race, the human, you know, they added more humanoids at one point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, all those things kind of got, I mean, I don't want to say forgotten because we talked about them in the podcast, but they all got sort of passed over. Um, so basically this was sort of, you know, where all about Stellaris and where it stands almost a year following us having written about it for the last time, which covers a lot. Um, and so it's really less of a review article. That's why we really, we are calling it a re-examination. It's sort of a state of the Stellaris address. Mm -hmm. Where state is the, the game? State of Sorry, the state. No, no, state of the state. Yeah, right. state of the state, state of the star empire. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Where is the game now? What What is it like if you really hadn't read anything about it or touched the game since we last wrote about it, which seems unlikely, but if you hadn't, this would be a good update as to where things have gone and, and where they've been. It's, it wasn't really intended as a review of the DLC, but certainly we talked about a lot of the changes that have been made in those in those updates and where the game is at and how it's changed. Is it better? Is it worse? Is it something of the same? Uh, it, it was an, quite an endeavor. There was a lot to write about. Right. Okay. Well, I think that kind of catches us up to it. So, Troy, why don't you kind of start and we'll kind of go back and forth a bit before we get to the big question that everybody wants to once answered but we'll save that for a little bit later all right so uh, so josh uh you really hate stellaris huh <laughs> um i'm actually of everybody on exploraminate i think i might be the last answer. um i don't i don't know if that's I don't, know, I don't know if that's 100% true. I don't even know if that's 100% fair. Um, I think that I did a poor job in the re-examination re of balancing 
the negative and the positive. I think if you read the reexamination, there's a lot of critique in there. There's a lot of being critical. I think when you listen to this Audix, you're going to hear a lot of critique and complaints. And why doesn't this work this way? And why didn't they fix that? To some extent, it's easier to point out the issues with the thing, especially when you're trying to review it, than it is to just sort of wax eloquent about what's right about it, especially because a lot of the changes are not what's right about it. That's, let me see, I don't know if I'm doing a good job of explaining it, but most of what I love about Stellaris is the stuff that they haven't changed that was good about the game when it launched and that's still good about the game now. And most of my complaints about Stellaris are things that have been updated or systems that haven't been done well enough. So if you read the re-examination, it sounds like, boy, Joshua really is giving this thing the business. He really hates this game. And then at the end, we gave it a recommend, which we'll talk about. And I think some people got confused because it's like, boy, he, he was really complaining about the game the whole article. He's going to complain the whole game the whole time on this Audix about the game. How can he say he likes it? So, you know, it's sort of a caveat here that I still really enjoy Stellaris. I'm still playing it quite a bit. I put eight hours into it last week. Um, I still think it's a fun game. We'll talk more about why I'd still recommend it. But I guess this is sort of just a, a warning label up the upfront. I'm going to spend a lot of time complaining about things, but in the end, that doesn't change necessarily um, my recommendation of the game. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I totally get you. And uh, I, I think I'll, I'll have something really interesting to say when we talk about our scoring at the end. So anyhow, uh, let's kick it off with Explore. And what can you tell us about uh, the changes that have been done to the game with regards to exploration, along with anything that was not in the article that would fit under exploration? Sure. So Explore is unfortunately one of the parts of Stellaris that I think is suffering from changes to the other parts of Stellaris. Um, 2.0 is very much focused on the exterminate part of Stellaris. 2.2 is very much focused on the exploit part of Stellaris. Um, and they really haven't focused as much on explore or expand. And explore in particular is, is I think, suffering. There are a lot of changes that were made to the game, like the uh, FTL um, system now is only star lanes. Um, and that takes away a lot of the fun from explore. There's uh, used to be there were these little quests that you could find that uh, you'd find them a lot where you'd find different things and it would sort of tell you different stories about what you discovered in the universe. And in the old days, there was a way to fail those, um, which always, to be fair, felt arbitrary and kind of cruel uh, because there was nothing you could really do about it. If you hit the wrong RNG, then you hit the wrong RNG and that opportunity was gone. But now uh, you can't fail them. They just, you, you do the research. It might take longer for something harder, but it takes away a lot of the risk reward aspect of it. And it starts to feel more like, I think I, um, I think I described it as a visual novel in the article. So Explore is still the strongest part of Stellaris to me. That first sort of third of the game, I think you could describe as the Explore phase. Um, it's Explore Expand. And um, while it's still very good and they've done a really good job on story stuff, it's still I still find new stories all the time. It's a lot of the systems either haven't been upgraded in a while, so they don't. They there's like a mismatch with the new systems and the old ones, where there there's a lot of vestigial parts, um, and so it doesn't really have the same spark as it used to. In fact, it feels a little janky in places. Um, the other area that we talked about in the article with Explore is with the new the new um, types of races that you can create. So um, 
they've added, right, we talked about hive minds in Utopia, but since then, uh, one of the updates that we did not write about added machine empires. So basically, you can have robot empires. I had written before that I thought that AI was a mixed opportunity for Solaris. It's not anymore. It's really cool to play as a robot. There's different kinds of robot empires that you can play as. You don't just have to be the, you know, destroy everyone kind of robot. There are different types. Um, and it's really interesting. It's a different kind of gameplay. Um, the other one are Megacorps, which are the new ones that came with 2.2. Those are an attempt to let you play tall where you can't expand all that much, but you can create subsidiaries of your empire on different planets. And there are different kinds of megacorps. You can have a, a religious megacorp and be a mega church. You can be a criminal megacorp and be sort of like a crime simulation. It's really cool. Those are really nice additions. If we're going to talk about the additions that work really well, megacorps and machine empires are both great. They really make you feel like you're playing still Stellaris, but a different kind of Stellaris with different goals and different restrictions. And so they're a different kind of challenge. I really like them. But in a recurring theme for Explore and for the game, um, the, like the changes for 2.2 kind of messed up the hive minds and the machine empires because they didn't update the mechanics of those types of races to match with the new systems. So the current internet wisdom is that hive minds are extremely overpowered and machine empires are, excuse me, essentially broken. So those th that's sort of the push-pull right now with Stellaris, the frustration, is that you, even when you have something that's a really nice change that they did a good job on, they kind of cut themselves off the knees just because they haven't really updated those systems. All right, very okay. cool. Uh, go ahead, Nate. No, no, I was, yeah, that's, that's definitely... I'm I'm sure going through the comments that's something that's been discussed at length and not just with us it's been on paradoxes forums too so it'll be interesting to see what they do with it. All right, um okay, so let's move on to expand. Same yeah. thing that Troy asked but about expand. Yeah, so expand has a lot of the same problems as explore right now. The it's it just it feels a little neglected in the sort of the meta if you will of uh Stellaris. So They've made some changes to how it plays. The colony system right now is really annoying. Um, it, the ships, when you land a colony now, it takes way longer for your colony to become a useful sort of planet where you can get resources from it. And it's very, very slow. Um, the reasoning seems to be a pacing issue. They wanted it to feel like more of an accomplishment when you had a successful colony. But man, right now it is a huge drag. And there's very little you can do about it. I think a lot about the mechanics that Endless Space 2 has with that, where your colony takes a while to establish, but you can do a risk-reward thing where you can spend resources in order to accelerate colony growth. And you have to sort of figure it out. And if I do that, you know, does the economy go forward? Is it worth the change? Unfortunately, there really isn't that kind of mechanic in Stellaris right now. There's, um, there is one edict that you can do that, expand, that makes growth ha pop growth happen. There's one ascension perk that makes your colonies grow a little faster. But boy, you really don't notice those things when you're playing the game. It doesn't really feel like it's a momentous choice or a good push-pull decision. And um, it just seems, to, even when you do make all those choices, it still seems to drag a lot. Um, there are some other things about Expand that I think are nice. I think this is a good place to talk about uh, the rare resources. They've sort of redone the way those work. Those are fun to see when you d discover them. I kind of wish they were a little more randomized, but it's still cool to sort of the way they've managed to make them work now where they feel sort of integral to your economy. 
it's a little bit more like the Civ 6 situation where you need those resources in order to get certain technologies. Um, the other thing that I wanted to talk about and expand, some of these things are kind of random, but um, factions, right? Factions were a really cool idea in the original Stellaris where people would have their own opinions and would form groups and they would want to change or, um, uh, you know, sort of they would either choose one of your race's um, philosophies and go all for it. So like if you're a religious military um, race, maybe you have a faction that's really into the religious part and then you'd have a faction that's really into the military part. But you could also have factions that would split off from those things and be opposed to your uh, opinions or the way that your race worked also. Factions were never really that well implemented and um, they're still not. There's really no way to deal with them. They come up sort of randomly. There's no real control for how you deal with them. They don't do much except give you unity, but not unity, um, the other one. Sorry. Um, they, they give you the resource that its name is falling right out of my head right now, but that you use to, uh, to settle new areas, um, things like in, that. In- Influence or something? Yeah, it's something like influence. Boy, it's really embarrassing that I can't think of this name right it's now. It's it's okay. It's okay. Um, I'm old. That's our <laughs> go-to excuse for everything. Don't worry. I'm <laughs> yeah. old, everybody. Good night. Um, it's past my bedtime, and I'm old. Um, so, but there's nothing you can. There's no choices here, and I think you know. Um, every, it feels like every time we talk about Solaris, I have to invoke Oliver, and I think one of Oliver's biggest complaints about the game right now is that there just aren't very many interesting choices. There's no real decisions. They're mostly very binary things that are more like, well, yes, of course you would do that rather than, you know, things where you have to weigh options and say, well, you know, what's the least bad choice I can make here? Um, And factions definitely suffers from that. It's a thing. It seems like a mechanic. It just doesn't really do anything once it shows up, though. And beyond just doing your best to please your factions, which sometimes you can do, but is mostly out of your control... It just doesn't seem like a full-fledged, well-thought-out feature. It wasn't when the game launched, but at the time, at that point, it was like, well, you know, they're figuring things out. And instead, now it's just sort of a vestige. It's there. It's in the game. But it, it you know, something that we didn't talk a lot about in the re-examination, but something I want to bring up is an area that's kind of broken. Yeah, I see where you're going with that, no doubt. So uh, I think we'll move on to exploitation and... Was there anything good and interesting? And uh, especially, I'd like you to talk a little bit more about like the new pop system and how all yeah. that works and tiles oh, and things. The pops, the Troy, the pops. Yeah. Well, what can you tell us about that? It maybe wasn't in the uh, article and, you know, how everything's going there. Yeah. So um, I actually, so 2.2, I really like how they, the tile system for plants. I think it's really unique and interesting. And it's something that I hadn't really seen done in this type of game before where it, it it's uh, it's unique. So, and it's one of the things that I brought up in is that they should be doing unique things because Stellaris is unique. And when they try to make Stellaris more mainstream or make decisions for Stellaris that match other games, they fall flat. But when they try to do something weird for Stellaris, that's when the game is as best because Stellaris in its nature is weird. So the new tiles with the pops are definitely weird. You have four different kinds of, um, areas that you can build. You can have uh, mining, farming, energy, and urban. And you can choose to build those areas out. But then you also have buildings that are a separate part of that that gives other bonuses. The 
it's really interesting. I think it's really unique. I enjoyed playing with it. It has a couple of problems, one of which is that it really requires a lot of babysitting. It really, the game really expects you to get down and dirty to the point where I almost feel like I'm playing The Sims rather than I'm playing Stellaris, where I'm figuring out whether I want my, what kind of jobs I want my pops to have. And, you know, are they upwardly mobile or not? I mean, these are decisions that you can actually make. Like, do I want my population to be more blue collar? Or do I want them to be able to rise up and, you know, join different groups? Or do I want to have just a ruling class that oversees the unwashed masses? And there's a certain point where it just gets overwhelming. I think it also suffers from resource spam, although not all of them are necessarily resources. But there's all sorts of things like, well, you need consumer goods and consumer goods can be turned into happiness and then happiness can be turned into some other obscure thing. And so there's a lot of stuff to juggle and manage. And do I have enough of this? And how do I make that? And so it's it's really opaque. And the negative of the Keeps the Laris weird policy is that it's not really intuitive. And unfortunately, Stellaris does a really poor job of teaching you the game. It also did a really poor job of teaching the AI how to play the game, too, um, which is also a problem. Um, but it, it's really hard to figure out as the player, what am I supposed to be doing here? What is my optimal build? Or if I'm trying to do blah, 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 how do I go about setting that up and how do I make that work? There are some guides online. There's nothing really awesome out there. And I honestly, I, I kind of resent the game for making me have to go look anyway. Like, you should be able to explain your systems to me without me having to turn to, you know, Gamer464 or whatever. Um, so that's a problem. It's, it's a cool system. It's interesting and it's unique, but it's opaque. The other problem is that it doesn't necessarily fit in with the other systems that exist. So pop growth, which is a really key part of this whole experience with your planets now, pop growth works exactly the same as it did before. You're not dealing with individual pops. You're not moving them from tile to tile but they grow one at a time very slowly. And a lot of the things that are interesting mechanics in the new the new um, system, like building buildings, are tied to the number of pops you have. So you can research something that looks really cool, like a gene clinic, and that's going to help your pops grow and it's going to keep them healthier and happier. And that's great. And you want to put it on all your planets, except now you have to wait an hour and a half because you don't have enough pops on those planets that allow you to build that building. And in the meantime, you also research three other building types that you'd also like to put down, and you can't really do it. So the game kind of keeps you from being able to engage with its most interesting mechanics, which is really annoying. There's also a problem with the pop growth that came up on the forums that they have claimed that they're trying to fix and the, the most recent update says is going to fix more, but nothing's ever really been quantified, which is if a minority pop joins your planet, let's say you have a planet of uh, seagulls and uh, a cat pop moves in with the seagulls, suddenly the system now makes it so that only the cat pops will grow and the seagulls stagnate until the cat pops and the seagull pops are equal. It's a weird mechanic and it feels like a bug, but the developers swear it's a feature. Um, it's one of those things where the communication is not great between the, div the devs and the community. And so there's a lot of frustration on both sides. And I think that's part of it is that why the mechanic exists or why I should want that mechanic isn't really well communicated. And the community's frustration, I think, comes off as not the way that we're really intending to. So that's also frustrating. Um, and then even just like tile blockers, right? We don't have tiles anymore, but there are still tile blockers in the game. So those are the sorts of like the weird design. How does that even work? So, okay. You're looking at a screen. 
and picture the screen in your mind. There's the urban center, the, right. uh, the mining, the energy, the um, the farms. And there are little blocks beneath each of those, which can be filled. You can choose to build that district, and that will increase the amount of... So if you oh. build the mining district, you will get um, more minerals from that planet. And obviously, I gotcha. depending on what you build, you can optimize your planet for certain things. So some of those districts, even though let's say you have a, a 17 planet, um, but you're only able to build 14 districts because three of those are quote unquote tile blocked. And so you have to open up another menu and spend resources to clear the blockers. And there's still tech around. Like you can't clear that blocker until you get the swamp tech. Um, it just, it really does not work. They basically didn't get rid of something of a, of it's a legacy thing that made sense where they, when they had the old system, but they didn't get rid of it when they did the new system. And so it's it's in there because it used to be in there and they didn't really think about what to do to get rid of it. And so it's just sort of there and something that you deal with. But to your point, Troy, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I, I agree. It, it doesn't make any sense to me either. Uh, yeah. It's an yeah. artifact. Yeah. yeah. So like 2.2, I think, is really cool. I really like a lot of I love playing as a Megacorp. I think it's really interesting and creative. I don't I can't really think of a game that I've played where you can play as a corporation in this sort of sense. I know that they're sort of. Endless Space 2, I mean, is there's always the Endless Space 2 is the answer to every one of those ones. <laughs> right. um, but they're not really corporations so much. That There's the mafia race in Endless Space 2. Right. Um, you know, to play as like a mega church is really fun and funny, and I really enjoy that. Um, and I like their ideas in how they did this. I, you know, tiles always felt weird and artificial to me anyway. I like the ability to build different districts and different buildings. It's just, it's so ganked by all the stuff they didn't choose to build around it or to fix that it, it becomes as much of a frustration as it is an enjoyment, which I think is a running theme right now with a lot of the changes, to be honest. Okay, well, let's talk a little bit about Explorminate. I mean, so far... We should you... talk about Explorminate more, I agree. <laughs> I'm sorry, Exterminate. <laughs> it's in there. It's a really so, good website. We all enjoy it. That's right. They're awesome. But it's not a news website. It's not no. a news website. And not the, the people who write for it are extremely stuff. handsome. That's what I've heard. Yeah, yeah. Very, very successful. Very handsome people. Yes, yes. So, all, full heads of hair. All the good stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, it's not lies. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. So, anyways, um, let's move on to exterminate. So far, I mean, you've you've covered the first three sections, and you've you've been pretty negative. And I'm pretty sure you're going to be only glowing and positive here in exterminate. So, why don't you tell us about what changed in 2.0 through 2.2 that made exterminate amazing? Uh, unfortunately, not much. So, 2.2 um, that was the exploit. That's the most recent update. There are things that I really love about um, that I think were really creative and clever and fun, and it just there are things that frustrate me, but I still enjoy it, and I think it was great. 2.0, which was Apocalypse, which is basically the rework of Exterminate, there's almost nothing that I like about what they did in Exterminate. So here's basically what happened. They, want, they looked at combat, and they said combat really doesn't work. It's boring. There are three sort of basic problems with how it's working right now that we need to address. One is that space is flat. Space is uninteresting. There are no, space is empty. By definition, space is really, really empty. So there's no um, geography to have to deal with. And what makes combat fun 
if you play like Age of Wonders 3, which I think has the best combat of any uh, 4X game I've ever played. Um, there, what makes it interesting a lot of times is the geography. You can only move to a certain place because the way that things work, there are mountains that block you, and so there are you know, pinch points or whatever that you have to avoid and think about. Certainly world history is based on geography. Why are certain places always fought over? Because they're geographically convenient and useful. And space doesn't have that, so it doesn't create logical places for battles. It's just all over the place. Um, this also led to the, the loss of the other FTL options um, because, again, they fe- there was a feeling that... Um, you know, if you could warp anywhere, if you could, they had the gates, right? If you could gate anywhere, you could pop all over the place. It was impossible to create logical pinch points in the space geography. So let's just do star lanes because star lanes naturally create areas where there makes sense to have combat. And sure enough, they do that. Um, the second option, the issue was with borders. Again, that's had to do with, you know, where are places where things could meet? Um, and, you know, how do I claim a sector? or sector, excuse me, like claim planet and claim an area. And that was always a little opaque anyway. So they needed to have well-defined, obviously defined borders. And so for that, what they did is they created the world of Starbase Spam, where every single system you want to do anything in must have a Starbase built in it, Um, which admittedly sometimes can be fun if you're next to an aggressive empire and you're trying to cut them off so that you can have the more desirable star lane x access then that's really exciting and fun and kind of pulse pounding and you're fighting to get that really strategic location most of the time it is immense busy work for very little payoff where you're building star bases everywhere except the game punishes you for building star bases everywhere except some systems it it, it just doesn't work um and then the third issue was that combat basically came down to mushing all of your ships into one big blob and throwing them at the enemy. And so it just wasn't very interesting. Uh, there wasn't any thought process in there. Um, what they did was that they put limits to fleets so that you can only have 10 ships in a fleet, 20 ships in a fleet. So now you're just making lots of smaller blobs and throwing them at the enemy because the underlying strategic reason of, so why do I want to separate into smaller groups, right? The only reason that the game ever gives me to do that is that I have to because the rules make me. So there's no there's no thinking about like having cores or having differentiated ship types and breaking them into different groups and having them attack at different times. Some of that stuff is underlying there. Smaller ships are better at certain things. Larger ships are better at certain things. There is sort of a rock, paper, scissors weapon system in there. But Lord, it's it's really not at all easy to tell or clear. And even if you do plan ahead and build it perfectly, it sure doesn't help. Um, the ships, the, the controls don't really aren't really made to work that way. Lots of times I would try to stagger my attacks to be sort of strategic and smart, and my ships would just go in there anyway and get themselves ripped apart. It's still basically a numbers game. Whoever has more ships wins. So it, it's just not interesting. I think in the article I, I said that even Civ Six has better combat right now because at least in Civ Six. I think about like, all right, I need bowmen to protect my um, my troops, my melee troops, and I need siege weapons to break through my enemy's walls. And so I have to build a diversified army. And even though the Civ at 6 AI is fairly enough uniquely stupid, at least in concept, in concept, I can figure out the right composition of my army in order to take over the world. Um, 
And Solaris just doesn't have that. It still doesn't have that. And all of the all the changes really did was most for the most part make things kind of annoying and sort of ruin other parts of the not ruin, ruin's too strong, but it ding other parts of the game. So in exchange for having Star Lanes, which sorta of makes combat more interesting sometimes, but not really. We now also have a far more boring explore, uh, far less differentiated races. It just feels less creative and open and fun. Um, you know, and so now instead of so we can have real borders and really have wars, we have this really annoying starbase spam situation. Um, so all, none of that really works. They also didn't fix some of the areas that I didn't mention in the article. Also, don't work. They added this weird claim system in um, Apocalypse, where now. In, before you go to war, you can put a claim on an enemy system, and then you can use that later as part of your like war goals. Um, the war score system, which hasn't changed all that much and still doesn't make a lot of sense. There was a weird bug with the war score system in the early going when um, that I think has mostly been fixed, but still where fatigue worked all weird. So none of this stuff really... They didn't fix anything. They they blew up the game with 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 um, apocalypse, and they didn't really fix anything. They just made it different. And in a lot of cases, they made it worse. Uh, really frustrating, especially for like 2.0 should have been a huge celebration of Stellaris, its rebirth, and instead it it really felt like a huge misstep uh, on the part of the developers. Um, I, I will play backseat dev just for a second, just as a way of sort of thinking it through. Um, and I'm not a developer at all. So I'm just going to put it out there because I think these are interesting things. But if we wanted space geography, for example, well, why can't we have space geography? Why can't there be parts of the map that have super heavy gravity around that I want to try to avoid? Why can't there are nebulas in the game, but they're just basically clouds and they don't really seem to have that much effect on gameplay. But what if there are different types of nebulas that cause different sorts of problems for my ships when they go in? Maybe there's a nebula that lasers don't work at all. So now I have to build mass drivers to fight in that nebula, or I can try to trap my enemy in there and then attack them. You know, I, I think this idea, I said before that space is empty, that's the defining sense of space. But I think we also forget all the weird stuff that's in space that no one really knows about that could exist and in a science fiction world ought to. And I think you can create sort of the way that um, Endless Legend did with oceans. I think you can create things within the space world that are believable in science fiction that would be interesting and fun well, there's two games actually that do do that i mean there are more than two games but two recent games endless space 2 has that and galaxy yes. 3 has that yes they both do and both of them use different modes of transport so endless space 2 is um star lanes and galaxy 3 that's just basically warp open yeah, warp. So with the recent addition they also added jump gates so that almost leads one to believe that now that there's a new lead, uh, this new lead needs to look at returning the diverse modes of travel because I think out of all the things that have been dropped since the release of the game, I think this is the biggest complaints that the majority of people have is they want that back. Yeah, yeah or... As backseat devs. Yeah, it, at least adding back jump gates because, I mean, you had to build those. Yeah, I found that a really interesting mechanic that yeah, so it, those would seem like it'd be easy to add back in. So, anyway, Josh... But I think there's an interesting opportunity with space geography where you could yeah, do some yeah. fun, lend challenges and create what they're trying to create, but still do it in a far more interesting way. Similarly with the border situation, there are too many stupid star bases. 
I wonder if there's a so there's this claim system that I talked about for war. It seems to me that what the claim system ought to be doing is allowing me to expand. So instead of having to build a starbase every time I need to move into a new system, why can't I just use the claim system and claim it? So now I claim it. I declare that it's part of my empire. Now, you could argue that you could have multiple empires fighting over claiming the same system. I think that's a good thing. And then you set up some sort of thing. Well, after you've been in there a certain time or you've built enough stuff in there. But like, for example, if I want to mine a nearby system, maybe I can just claim that system and then mine it. And then as I build up in that system, it becomes a more permanent part of my empire. And that would be way more interesting than having to just constantly churn and build star bases every day. Yeah. And then finally, I feel like there needs to be some sort of greater idea of combined arms, of different kinds of ships that, you know, I understand that it, it sort of exists now, but creating something that really forces to make choices about what kind of ships and the composition of my Navy will solve the problem of throwing everything in a ball and throwing it. Because you'll need to think about having different sort of counters for each type of ship. So, you know... Um, I always think of Fire Emblem, right? Swords beat axes, axes beat spears, spears beat swords. And so you really need to have an army of all three of things. Well, I think they need to look at having a similar kind of mechanic in Stellaris, where if I have, I have to build diverse ships and create battle lines and actually think about what I'm doing, that could really, that's what's going to solve um, combat is when I have to make interesting decisions, not when I'm being forced to manage multifarious groups of ships just because you said well again endless space 2 and gals of 3 both take endless space 2 does it well yeah so they both space have different ways of addressing yeah of addressing this combat yeah like with gals of you have the ship rolls and with endless space you have the the rock paper scissors mechanics to the combat where the different weapons off offset each other and the different def- like offense versus defense and then you have yes. things like uh ship sizes and uh, then you have like the essentially the cards just the formations and things like that so yeah you know it's just some they could do some hybrid i mean everybody's always borrowing stuff from everybody else so you know maybe this is one of the better things they can borrow because i've always, i've said it from the get-go the stellaris combat to me was not good no and, in general, I don't like the way Paradox handles combat. And yeah, I mean, in the beginning it was boring, but I was willing to forgive it. All right. Well, uh, but, Josh, where yeah. do you uh, where do you see Stellaris going in the future now? So, I mean, there's the things that I think they're going to do um, right now. So up to this point, the devs have been really weirdly quiet. Um, there was a lot of back and forth between the developers and the fans and forums, and it was getting a little contentious, and the devs got really quiet. And we hadn't heard from them for a really long time. Just um, uh, just this week, we had our first update in a long time that sort of was less of an update about what they're doing and more of a sort of spitball of um, here's what we might do with Sectors. So Sectors is another system that existed in Stellaris Original. It was a way of offloading some of your responsibilities as a planetary governor so you could focus on the whole big empire thing. 2.2 basically made it vestigial. Um, they're, they're there, but you're not using them and there's no reason to use them. And honestly, I really recommend not using them because your system, the AI for those systems has no idea what it's doing. Um, so this was sort of the most recent up dev update was spitballing on how they might change sectors. Um, so I think what we're going to see, what it seems like we're going to see is actually something that I want, which is iterative polishing 
of existing systems. They've made so many large changes to the game that there's so many things that have been neglected or forgotten or that didn't really work well with the other stuff, the old stuff not getting along with the new. I'd really like to see polish. Um, Also, 2.2 definitely launched buggy. 2.0 launched buggy. Um, And the argument about whether that was a bug or a feature, that argument aside, um, the game still needs a lot of polish to get rid of those sort of errors and issues and make it run smoothly. So... My hope is that they're going to spend a lot of time making all the systems work better together. Um, it seems like maybe they're going to do that based on the, po- the few posts that we've seen recently. Um, and then larger down the road, and there's a lot of systems that seem like they need love. Like I said about factions, factions you know, need love. Leaders need love. Diplomacy needs love. Um, so I'd like to see them work on some of those things and make them better rather than constantly reimagining what the game is with huge DLCs. But we'll see what happens. I mean, that's the thing, right? There's, it's a paradox game. You're going to get a lot of DLC. If yeah. you are listening to this and you think that Stellaris might be the game for you, although I've done a really poor job of telling you why it might be. Well, hold um, on, hold on. That's, that's next. We'll get there. We'll address that shortly. Um, but, um, you know, if you were, let's say you're going to buy it today. You heard the, the podcast. You know what? That's the game for me. I'm going to go get it. Joshua, which DLC should I get? The answer is really complicated because to some extent the answer is you need to buy all of it or you're not getting the full game. That's a lot to ask of somebody. There's a lot of DLC out there. Um, Even on sale, it's expensive. Yeah, and it's really hard for me to point and say, well, and you definitely need um, Megacorps, but do you necessarily need Apocalypse? It's, It's really hard to weigh those things because the way that they've done it is you get a whole bunch of huge changes that come with the game for free and then you get these sort of cherry on top dlcs that have the unfortunate nature of being sort of necessary in order to appreciate the huge updates but they're actually very small bits of content so it's it's a really hard situation right um to say like oh this is what you should buy this is what you shouldn't buy it's one of the reasons why i really want to do this as a recommendation rather than as a review because right. having to look at the individual DLCs that way is weird. Especially at this point after so much time had passed. Yeah. And even looking back now at 1.9, for example, or 2.0, at this point, some of the stuff that was made different then is not current. Or right, yeah, 2.2 has walked back a lot of the changes. And, not a lot, but some of the changes. Some of the changes, now. right. And I think oh. they're going to keep walking them back. Okay, well, let's let's see how far they walk it back if they bring it back to the state where the majority of the players were happy. And I think at that point, a lot of people are going to be, um, you know, content again because I'm uh-huh. certain that there's – it's not that I'm certain. I see the discontent in the community when it goes to Stellaris. And I think right now is a good point to discuss that. So, yes. okay. So, so far in the Audible extension, you have – You've said some kind things, but for the most part, you've been pretty critical. Yeah. And this was brought up in the comments in our mega thread, which was huge. It's like 7,500 posts or something, 800 posts, something like that. Yeah. This was brought up in the comments for the uh, re-examination. This has been brought up since in various messages that I've exchanged with various people that are like contacting me and they're like, Nate... You know, Explominate it's awesome, but I don't understand. How can you rate it a recommended after yeah. everything that was written? I, I read what Joshua wrote. I agreed with him 100%. And then I saw the score, and I don't get it. What did you do? And I'm like, I didn't do it. <laughs> That's my it's fault. Not, I, no, <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I don't rate reviews 
or I don't score reviews unless I write them. So the review scores based on the author of the review. And like, if it's something insanely crazy, then we have a back and forth and some of the other editors will comment and there'll be a conversation behind the scenes. And at that point, you know, it's, it's a group effort, but even at that point, it still came out to a recommended. So here's your chance to defend your recommended. (laughs) So why don't you go ahead and do that? No pressure. Um, No, no, not at all. So a little bit of, you know, behind the curtain stuff. Uh, we wrote the article. There were several um, editors, Lorminate, who edited my article. Say very much thank you to, uh, who make the articles better all the time, um, who said, I don't think we can recommend this game. I think it's a consider. I think that's a fair perspective. Um, I went back and forth on it a lot, too. In the end, what was the dividing line for me was somebody said, you know, I'm really looking for a thing. Um, can you recommend a game for me? I still think Stellaris would be my first recommendation. It's a really cool game. I it, I get a lot of enjoyment out of it. The way that it tells stories and creates interesting scenarios um, to me is unmatched right now. I do think that it's important to understand my perspective of why I play games. And a lot of it is for emergent storytelling um, and less about I mean, certainly I like I like strategy games. I like making strategic decisions. Um, but in, to some extent, I think it's almost unfair to call Stellaris a strategy game. I know that's wacky because this is a we're talking about it. This is a strategy podcast for a strategy website. Um, when you start to review Stellaris strictly as a strategy game, I understand why people would put it as a consider. Um, it's lacking it, a lot of the, the decisions that are there. A lot of the systems that exist. Um, aren't really designed for cool strategic thought. I don't go into Stellaris and think, all right, what's the build that I'm going to do this time that's going to help me win the game? I don't think you play Stellaris to win, to tell you the truth. Um, I think what you go into it is saying, I want to create a bunch of military religious nuts and I want to play the game that way. I want to create a bunch of uh, hippy-dippy tree hugger people that love other... um, you know, love other aliens. I want to play as hyper logical uh, corporation, ruthless corporation people, and explore the universe that way and see how the universe moves around me. And that's what Stellaris is really, really good at. Um, what it's not good at is the kind of min maxing strategic decision. I'm going to adjust my build here and see what happens there. Um, kind of strategic thinking. And I one, I think that throws a lot of people off. I think there were people that. Uh, expected Stellaris because it was coming from Paradox to be, uh, you know, Crusader Kings 2 in space or Europa Universalis in space. And it's really not. Um, I think because it's sold as a 4X, it confuses people because they're going in expecting something where there are strategic decisions to make. And that's the interesting part of the game. And I think that's where Stellaris fails. Um, And yet at the same time, it's such a unique experience. I find it so enveloping and so exciting and interesting. The stories that it creates and tells, the way that it makes it really feel like I'm in space in a huge universe with endless possibilities and endless sort of scenarios that every time you fire up the game, it's different. You know, I I like Civ 6 a lot. I've said a lot of nice things about Civ 6. Um, Civ 6 really feels kind of the same after you play it maybe five times. Um, it's, that's always been Civ games. I mean, I'd say the same thing about Civ five, you know, you find the ideal build, you know, how you're going to work towards that win condition. You can make the game harder, but in the end, once you've got it sort of down, you're just repeating the same steps over and over again in Civ six. Stellaris really doesn't have that. 
it feels different every time you play it. It feels like a totally different universe. Um, it, it feels like a totally different experience. And so that's why for me, I would recommend it because I think about the scenario. Well, if somebody says to me, man, I really want to play a great game. Can you recommend something? One of my first thoughts would be Stellaris. I understand where people come from with consider. And if you want to squint really hard and see it as a consider, I think that's fair. I think that if you're reading, you know, if you're looking at a review and you're scrolling down just to see the score, then you're not doing it right. Um, so I think you need to read the article. I'm sorry. I hope it's not written too poorly um, because that I think it does a good job of explaining where my issues are and where the, my feelings are at. Um, I don't see I, I, there were some people that were really upset that it wasn't an avoid. I, I don't I don't see that right now. Um, personally, to me, an avoider of beware is a really is a game that has a lot of serious issues that makes it really hard to play um, and enjoy. And I just don't see that. I understand for some people that's the case. I think there are people who are really salty at the game right now um, because it isn't what they wanted it to be, or it was what they wanted it to be, but it never it changed in a way that they feel is unfair or isn't the direction they wish the game had grown. So I understand that. Um, and I mean, those people have those opinions and you you should certainly look on our forums to hear what they have to say too. I did, you know, in part of writing the review, read a lot of forum posts because I wanted to make sure I wasn't just giving my perspective, but trying to get other people's perspectives in there too. Um, at the same time, I'll tell you, there were people who rated it exemplary. So, you know, we have that poll at the bottom of the article and right now, Nate, do you have the numbers on where things are? Uh, yeah, give me a second. Let me look. It Sorry, up. I, 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 um, no, 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 it's okay. I'm following the discussion, <laughs> but I couldn't anticipate you asking that. Sorry, no, it's my fault. I should have warned you in it. It's okay. So, in any case, uh, most, uh, people... no, no, I got it. I got okay. it up. I got it up. So, as of recording, we have uh, 30 votes for recommended, 19 for consider, 10 for exemplary, 10 for beware, and four for avoid. So, yeah, so the people who wrote Beware and Avoid, I I, under, I kind of understand where you're coming from, but to me, it, it, I don't see this game as deserving of either of those ratings. But uh, to be fair, I will also say, to the people who rated it as exemplary, I don't see that either. So and I love Stellaris, but I don't well, get that. To me, it's it's almost like an offset. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's it's almost, there are more, so the Beware and Exemplary is a 10 to 10 vote. Yeah. And Avoid... You know, I, I, I understand why people would vote the way they vote. Mm -hmm. And based on what I've read and the comments, I understand it too. But here's the thing. I put it, I will say this, that when we were talking about it behind the scenes, uh, you know, how would you rate it? There was consider, recommend, there was going back and forth, back and forth. I leaned towards recommend and I'll say this. Up until Stellaris 2.0, I could not, for the life of me, get into the game. I tried, and I tried, and I tried. And it was just, I, I probably spent seven hours in total, maybe ten hours. Yeah, you bounced hard off that game. Yeah, and, and, not, and not for lack of trying, but after 2.0, 2.0 through 2.1. I haven't played 2.2, but 2.0 and 2.1, I put in, I think, something like 100 hours or 80 hours or something like that. I'd need to log into Steam to take a look exactly, but I put in the majority of my playtime after 2.0, and that to me pretty much says that you know 2.0. If I could put in the hours from 2.0 and on, and I couldn't prior to 2.0, then that puts it a, a, as a recommended versus a consider because a consider I play a little bit, five, ten, twenty hours, and I move on and never look back again. You know, for the most part, though there is a few exceptions always, and the reason is you know 
reasons. And if you want to know what they are, ask me and I'll tell you. But not on this podcast. We're focusing on Stellaris. Troy, you said you had a take on this too. Yeah, it just makes me wonder what it says about Forex gaming as a whole. If a game with this many problems can still earn a recommended. Mm-hmm. like it, it, it tells me that even with all the problems, a game that's a little bit weird, like Stellaris, can still get a lot of people behind it because everything else is just kind of uninspiring at the moment, I guess I'll say. Yeah. So uh, I, would, I would use this as a moment to challenge 4X developers to be a little bit weird and mm-hmm. try things that are a little bit strange and different uh, because I think there's clearly a market for it. Stellaris has shown there's a market for a 4X game that does things unconventionally. And uh, I, I think that would also be confirmed by uh, the Thea games. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it, it's just... Yeah, Thea's weird. It, 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 it deserves that. So I, I, I think it's time to leave the, uh, the 20, almost going on, 30-year-old conventions behind and uh, move on to things that might be new and different. Yeah, except there's one problem. The majority of people that play 4X are... That's not true, veterans. Nate. No, Nate, that's not true. Stellaris has had enormous Stellaris. economic success, and it did that. It achieved most of that economic success. Well, it was really weird. So, I'm not... No, I'm not, I'm not going to say the majority of people. And also, I'm going to say, look at the 4X market as a whole compared to the RTS market, for example. The RTS well, yeah. market is much larger. So yeah, but we don't know. We don't different. know that. You know what I'm trying to say. You think you know what I'm. Oh, okay. Well, regale I'm me. From, I'm going from a publisher or a developer's perspective. Oh, I'm saying the perspective is wrong. Oh, whether it's right or wrong, you know, money's what talks, and everything else walks. So well, there's been a I'm lot of walking to... of traditional games. They're very true, but yet, if you look at the games that sell year in year out, you know. It's similar games. So for somebody who is looking at the Forex market and they're like, oh, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And they put out a fantastic game. I can give you, I can give you five games right now that are all fantastic Forex games that just did not break through because they were too different. Do you know what I mean? So it's like it's for developers. It's a fine balance. They have to constantly it's it's like a tightrope and they're like oh is the wind is the gust of wind gonna knock me over am i gonna have enough to get to the other side what's gonna is the slack gonna be too much so that's kind of the i'm just saying that from the developed perspective of developers publishers you know they're like do we really want to go that far out that's what that's what i feel like happened with stellaris so stellaris was really like had this very lofty expectations. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to do all these crazy things. So the first iterations of Stellaris were like, wow, this is really weird. And as time passes, it gets normalized. It becomes less weird. So the people that want it to be weird are not getting that same weirdness. And the people that don't want it to be weird are are not happy with the state that it's in. That it, because when it becomes normalized, all of a sudden it's not as good. It's showing all the warts where before all the weirdness was able to, you know, distract you from. You were not yeah. so focused on it. You know, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So, I, 
the conventional road is not good for Stellaris. Becoming more conventional. No. Stellaris moving away from grand strategy and aspirations of grand strategy to traditional 4X is what has hurt it, I think. And I that's what I'm getting made at. those decisions, though, based on conservatism. I think they've made those decisions because they have problems that they don't know how to solve. And so oh. they've gone to, like, expected places because they've looked at something like the, the FTL, the, the Starlines thing is a perfect example of that. They mm. had, you know, a situation where they felt like combat wasn't interesting because it wasn't happening at key points because the map was undifferentiated. And they said, well, what are some ways that other systems have solved that? And they said, well, you know, look at games with Starlands. They have interesting, so we'll pick up Starlands. I don't know that it was necessarily, uh, boy, you know, we're not selling as much as we were before. We need to get this to be more like a traditional mm, form. I don't need that. I don't think that's it either. That's not what I was yeah. trying to say. Okay, then I misunderstood you. No, no, no. I, I'm talking just to, I'm using that as a general statement, but what, what you just said is right. So in them streamlining it, they took away some of the character. So what they need to do is either you get better at streamlining or bring some of the character back. I can give you a couple of games that had lots of different types of, of uh, faster than light travel and they all managed to work. You had mm -hmm. Sword of the Stars, you had Star Ruler 2. Yep. And it all worked, and combat there was interesting. Well, sort of the Stars Solar is, Empire has star lanes. It's cool. Sins of a Solar Empire too, and like the—that's three games right there that are all different from each other, and yeah, all right. of them are fantastic. You know, but one of them was very successful. Sins of a Solar Empire. One of them is was really successful, but at the same time had issues behind the scenes. Sort of the Stars, and one of them. Almost nobody knows about, but we really liked Star Ruler 2. And that talk about a game that had a lot of unique mechanics, a lot of stuff. And, you know, it's it's sad that uniqueness is not a strong selling point. Like, you know, people want uniqueness, but when they're given unique, they don't want to buy it. Well, Star Ruler 2 still did better than all kinds of Space 4X games that have come out. So maybe yeah, for that studio, it didn't well. sell enough, but compared yeah. to most of the other space 4x games that have come out yeah it's done better than them i mean i guess the counter argument is something like stars and chat which was a really well done game yeah it was really well designed but it had a sort of unique art style and i think that kind of turned people off a little bit um or space tyrant yeah some of those games though i don't know how you separate it from the fact that we say the same thing sell all the time but it happens to be that those same things are run by major publishers with huge marketing budgets. Well, yeah, I mean, do the most successful games... Civ because it's Civ and they love that traditional aspect, or do they want more Civ because it comes from Firaxis and it's a big name? I'm sorry, Troy, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, just that uh, most of the successful games of the last five years um, have either been uh, what I'll call legacy games, yeah. where they've... Um, They've been part of a series that is storied, like Galsiv or Civilizations, or they've been weirder games, yeah. like Thea, um, even Warlock 2. Mm -hmm. uh, Endless Legends. is sort of neither, Endless but Legend. from yeah. uh, uh, a very established publisher with a huge fan base. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, um, what else have we got to cover before we wrap this one up? Well, what does Stellaris need to do moving forward? I mean, essentially, that's the question that everybody wants answered is besides why we rated it recommended versus consider. The second question is, OK, that's all good. But what does Stellaris need to do to fix itself, essentially? 
bring back the fans that were there prior to 2.0 that are now very angry because the game has changed. And I mean, I've read people saying, why didn't they just call it Stellaris 2? Yeah. And leave it the way it was for us prior to 2.0. And then everybody moving forward is just playing Stellaris 2. Yeah. I mean, so I think we mentioned this before. Polish is really, really key. Um, they need to learn their lesson on this. And whatever is the next big update, they need to take their time with it and not just rush it out, but make sure that it, it's working pretty. Look, everything, anytime you have something new, you're going to release it and there's going to be bugs. But at this point, it's it's a little unacceptable from such a large company. They need to beta test it. They don't need to put it out a month after they announce it. They could have waited with 2.2. They should have waited with 2.2. It was not a great time to release it. It was crowded out by a lot of other stuff that was coming out at the same time, including a Civ 6 expansion. Um, they could have waited a little longer to a better time from a marketing perspective and actually tested it and done real beta testing to figure out how it would work. And they could have avoided a lot of this bad blood because at this point, now they could release something that's not even that buggy and people are going to be like, oh, here we go again. They never check anything. So they need to spend more time on doing due diligence, on releasing things that actually are somewhat stable, somewhat of where you don't feel like you're beta testing the $20 that you spent it. Um, They need to polish the other systems that we talked about that already exist, the vestigial sort of systems, um, things like pop growth and tile blockers and sectors that just don't make sense in the new game. They need to start figuring out how those things are going to work in a way that's makes sense. I'd much rather see them do that than start telling me about this brand new system. Oh, you can't wait. We've totally reworked the blah, 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 um, and has been untouched and sort of forgotten from the last time around. Um, and then finally, I'd say that right now the communication by the devs, um, I don't know why that is. It, I, I don't know if it's a language barrier thing or, you know, someone who's an amazing developer isn't necessarily a great communicator. I don't want to play into the stereotype too hard, but it, there's been some unfortunate um, posts and things that have accidentally communicated things. You know, the devs write something. It, they think it makes sense. It doesn't make sense to the community. The community gets angry. The devs' feelings get hurt. The community feels like the devs aren't listening to them. The devs feel like the community doesn't appreciate their hard work. And it, it's, it's gotten kind of ugly, um, which I would have said a year ago. I would have said there's pretty good, um, you know, the, I think there was a pretty good relationship there um, where, the, you know, the people really respected the devs and really felt like, you know, the devs were listening. And I think the devs really felt the love from the community. And I don't think that really exists anymore. It hasn't gotten poisonous yet, but it's kind of that yet is really the key word in that sentence. If you look at the most recent update, the fact that they had to put, these are not real features. These are just thoughts. Please don't treat them like real features. Please don't treat them like ask us when they're coming in bright, all caps, yellow lettering twice tells you everything you need to know about how communication has gone with the new developers who've come onto the game. It's just, everybody's feeling defensive Everybody is feeling like they have to, you know, I can't say anything without, you know, the community saying, well, when are we going to see this? And why doesn't this work? And why are your ideas so stupid? And the, um, the, the vice versa, right? The community feels like, you know, they're not hearing from the developers. We used to hear from these guys a week or, you know, now we don't hear from them once a month. And, you know, they're abandoning the game. They're abandoning us. They don't care what we think. It's, it's just really toxic. And I think both sides 
need to work better on their communication. It's easier for me to put it on the devs because they're the people who get paid to communicate with the community. Um, but they, they need to do a better job of being clear about what their intentions are going forward and what they're trying to do with the game and their dedication to the game. Um, because right now it, it's really not good. Okay. So question, um, do you feel there was anything in the review that need, I think you covered everything in the review, but is there anything else that wasn't in the review that you still wanted to cover any like last thoughts about what you had left on the cutting room floor? Cause you already mentioned a bunch of things like yeah. the leaders and the factions, but was there anything else you can I mean, the one thing I would just reiterate that I, I totally admit I did not do a great in the in the uh, re-examination was just making it clear that I really do enjoy still that I think it's worth playing um, that it that's all I, I you know I think it's really easy to point out the problems it's harder to point out um, it's still fun mm. there's nothing really interesting to say there except that it's still fun I still spend a lot of time with it I still enjoy it quite a bit okay well that's kind of the last thing I wanted to ask you got anything Troy uh nope that's it for me okay well Joshua, thank you very much for coming on the show. Yeah, thank and, you for letting me ramble for like an hour. Hey, better you than me, my friend. Better you than me. So uh, I'd like to extend a big thank you to our patrons for supporting us, to the listeners. I'm looking forward to reading the well-thought-out comments to this Audible extension when it is released and whatever else comes thrown our way. And I think that's it. All right, very cool. Well, we'd like to thank everyone for being with us on the podcast we really enjoyed having you this has been troy josh and nate for explorminate take care everyone